All right, so the, um, the title of the study today is, uh, for Sanctity of Life Sunday, is the history of the satanic act of abortion. Um, I'll talk about the title here in a second and why I called it that. <clears throat> but Sancti- Sanctity of Life Sunday uh, was started by, or Sanctity of Life Day was started by President Ronald Reagan. Uh, he issued a presidential proclamation. It was uh, January 13th, uh, 1984. Uh, and he designated Sunday, January 22nd to be this day that we observe uh, life, the National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Um, and he did that when it was the 11th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. You guys know what this is? Uh, the legalization of, um, by the Supreme Court ruling that women had access to abortion and could then um, murder their own infants. Um, now, we, there, there are a number of euphemisms uh, for this wicked act. Um, abortion itself is a euphemism for it. Um, it should just be called what? Murder. Murder. And it, so we have abortion. Um, Planned Parenthood actually, if you go to the website, they now advocate for the word abortion in order to destigmatize it. So they had all these other euphemisms, and then now they're saying, well, let's change course, let's go back to the word abortion so that we destigmatize the word abortion so people just talk about it freely and openly. Um, the, there are a number of other euphemisms termination of a pregnancy, uh, voluntary interruption of pregnancy, um, intact dilation and extraction. It sounds like um, a surgical procedure or something. Uh, selective reduction. These are all terms. Reproductive choice. You hear of things like reproductive freedom, sexual health care needs, uh, emergency operations, they'll call it, um, without defining the word emergency. Uh, medical care. Uh, safe and common medical procedure. Uh, a right to choose women's health care. Uh, by the way, this is funny. Well, not funny. It's awful. But Planned Parenthood is now advocating getting rid of the terms women's health care. Why? Trans. Yes, for the transgender community or the people. They think that um, uh, it's wrong to then say that uh, it's women's health care when it could be men's health care too. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's just healthcare. So they say trans and non-binary people have abortions too. So if you go to their website, you'll see this stuff. I mean, it's just huge in like pink and blue letters and all that stuff. Uh, it's also talked about in the, um, uh, in the way of family planning. So that this is a way you plan your family and that this is something we ought to be doing. We ought to be invested in uh, the families. Uh, in this way, limiting their sizes and being responsible. Because uh, in this worldview, having too many children uh, and overpopulation is irresponsible and a, and a wicked thing. It's selfish, they would say. So these are all euphemisms, and um, I don't like to use them at all. Um, in fact, what, the, the reason I titled this The History of the Satanic Act of Abortion uh, is because abortion is plainly satanic. Uh, there was like a, a, a news article that I read uh, not too long ago about a woman who actually went through a satanic ritual in aborting her own child. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought, well, that's not very different than anything else. <laughs> that's not any different than any of, every other time. Um, because the act itself, I'm not talking about the rites and what they say and what they do, but the act itself is satanic. It is demonic. Um, the reason being uh, is at, uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13 uh, says, you shall not murder. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 44 says this, the devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character because he is a liar and the father of lies. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, but he, he talks about the devil was a murderer from the beginning. So where does abortion stem from? The devil. So another name for the devil is Satan. And th- this is 
this is what it is. This is the very wickedness of this very act. Uh, the reason I, I advocate for calling the thing what it is is because this is what the Bible says. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, and who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Um, I mean, th- this is one of the most blatant examples of this, uh, taking this wicked demonic act of abortion and then calling it uh, women's health care or family planning or um, uh, someone's choice. They're, they're, um, they're, they're calling this good. They're calling, like these are things that you want. You want women to be taken care of, right? And then they'll say, yes, well, the, this is what we have to do to take care of them. Murder their baby. Let them, let, give them the choice to do that. That's what they're saying. That is a perfect, like the quintessential example of calling evil good. And then when we say, no, that baby should live. That baby is created by the Lord and, and died for by Jesus. And then they would say, uh, that's awful. What are you, you're oppressing women. They take what's good and then they call it evil. Um, Luther picked up on this. Uh, this is what he does. This is his advice uh, in Luther's works, volume 31. You could find this. He says, um, a, theologian call, a, a theologian of glory. Do you guys know what that is? Um, just so you know, a theologian of glory is not a good theologian. It's a bad theologian. Theologian of glory is one who says that God, if you have enough faith, God will bless you with health, wealth, and success. Name it, claim it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, these theologians of glory call evil good and good evil. But a theologian of the cross, which is a true theologian, a good theologian, the one who suffers for the sake of the gospel, a theologian of the cross calls the thing what it actually is. And so that is what we ought to do as Christians, not hide behind euphemisms and things. Just say it. What, what are we talking about? We are talking about the ending of a human life. What do you call that? Murder. Where, where does murder come from? The devil. So what is abortion? Demonic. It's, it's diabolical. Um, we ought to have the, the ability and the courage to speak this way in front of the world, uh, regardless of what they say about us, how intolerant they say we are. I mean, I mean what's worse they're actually putting infants to death or us rebuking them putting infants to death. What's more offensive? Just say it. Don't be shy about it. Just assert this, assert the truth, and then stick to those terms throughout the debate, throughout the discussion. Um, refer to the baby, right? A fetus is a Latin word, means baby as well. Just refer to that. Don't use the word fetus. Just say baby. It's a baby. Just talk about the thing as it is. Call it what it is. Um, now, what I want to point out here is going back to that text from John chapter 8, verse 44. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. Uh, so he's the, the one who begins this, this trend, this thing of murder. And he doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character because he's a liar and the father of lies. So the question is, well, how does that go together? He calls him a murderer, and then, he, and then it seems like Jesus switches the subject, and he says, well, he's a liar. What is it? What's he saying? What, he's, sorry? Yeah, the means by which the devil murders is through lies. That's it. The, the devil does not uh, kill anyone. What does he do? He drives people to kill and kill themselves. Uh, to murder. He drives people to do this. And the way he does this is through lies. Why? Just consider this with me. Why is it that any human being unjustly murders another human being? What would the reasons be? Revenge? Okay, what's the lie in that? That vengeance is yours, which is a lie. And the truth is what? Vengeance is the Lord's. God will avenge. So don't murder. I don't care what they did to you. That is not in your hands to do that. We're not talking about self-defense. Understand. We're talking about murder. You're going out doing this. Uh, Why do people um, uh, turn the knife on themselves? Take a gun to their own flesh. Why do they do that? Yeah? And despair is what? A lie. It's 100% a lie. It's not true. 
You're telling me there, there's, as long as there is breath, there's hope for everyone. Um, the devil then convinces people that there is no hope, that there is no God, that there's no meaning to their life. He didn't, he didn't do anything. He didn't pick up the gun and shoot them. He just drove them to this despair with lie after lie after lie. I mean, and I think this is a fascinating thing that Jesus, he just reveals the whole plan of the devil. He says, what is the devil's goal? He wants to murder you. That's, that's all he cares. He wants to destroy you to pieces. The way he's going to do that is by lying. So be careful what you're listening to. Be careful the things that you're learning and you're putting in your head and your heart. I, there's nothing more destructive than, than false doctrine. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. The reason being is because false doctrine not only drives us to hurt and uh, mutilate our own flesh, um, but it also drives us to hell. It destroys faith. When we do that, I mean, then you've lost everything. It's, it's gone. Um, so again, keep that distinction in mind. Uh, sorry, not distinction, that connection in mind. Uh, the devil being a murderer and, um, and his lies. Uh, the way he drove Adam and Eve to death was not by forcing them to eat uh, the forbidden fruit and breaking the law of God. He didn't, he didn't do any of that. He just flat out asserted and contradicted the word of God. You shall not surely die. God said, the day in which you eat of it, you'll surely die. And the devil flat out says, no. It's insane. That is absolutely insane. But this is the, this is the work of the devil. Uh, obviously, he gradually got them there through lie after lie after lie, little lie, little lie, big lie. Now, here's the big truth bomb or the big lie bomb. Uh, you won't, won't really die. Um, so, that, so keep that in mind. This is the means by which the devil murders. Um, there is a special category in the Bible, uh, what the Bible reveals to us, of those who are murdered innocently. Um, hear me well here. I'm not saying that everyone murdered innocently automatically goes to heaven. Uh, and I'll talk about this later. But this is precisely how horrific abortion is. Not all aborted babies go to heaven. Um, we are conceived and born in sin. Um, the reality is uh, there are uh, parents who have no intention of baptizing their child. Uh, that child has never heard the word of God in the womb. That child has never been prayed for by their parents or anything. And... Um, the, one of the reasons we're against abortion is because obviously it's murder and we're against murder. But even more so, your zeal should be on fire, like a bonfire, a, a, a pillar of flames right now, knowing that so many of those who have been murdered in the womb will not be in the resurrection of eternal life. That is, that is un, that, that's gut-wrenching. I can't even think about that. It's awful. Um, there is no promise in the Bible that anyone who dies an innocent death just then automatically goes to heaven. Hear me well as well. I am not saying that every baby who has been aborted, uh, who has been murdered, is in hell. I'm not saying that either. Um, I, I think there are times when a woman has been deceived. Uh, she's a Christian. She thinks that this is God's will. She, she's maybe confused and doesn't quite understand the, the stuff she's taking. Um, or the, the things she's going through, and she's really not convinced that this is a baby, and goes through it and ends up killing her own baby, uh, and repents of it later, regrets this. Um, it, I'm, so, so the point is, this is a big mystery, but we can't say one or the other. We can't say all aborted babies go to heaven. We can't say all aborted babies go to hell. In fact, if only one of these murdered babies went to hell, that would be enough, enough for us to, to, to have zeal um, that, that can't hold us down. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So the, the, this, is the way, um, the, this is the way the scriptures speak about those who have been murdered innocently. Again, it's not talking about their final destination in heaven or hell, but it is saying this. Uh, one of the first instances we have of this is Cain, uh, he spoke to his brother Abel, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and slew him. 
And the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? Why did he say that? Does God know? Yeah. So why did he say it? What did he ask? Yeah, exactly. To, to, bring, to give him a chance to repent and confess his sin and say, well, you know what? I actually killed him. He, he could have just said that. I murdered my brother. And then his response is he defends himself and he says, I don't know. He's lying. Am I my brother's keeper? And then the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. This is a category uh, that we find in the scriptures of those whose blood is shed innocently, that their blood cries out to the Lord. Um, He knows every cell and molecule in in the universe. Uh, He also knows when uh, that blood is shed um, innocently, without need for punishment, without retribution or anything. Um, And so we can say that all of the, the blood of all these infants are crying out to the Lord. He hears this. He knows this. If he knew this with, with Abel, he knows this with all. Um, I, I do want to point out real quick in this next part, just the references of abortion and, and murder in the Bible itself uh, and in some ancient texts. So I'm just going to read them off. The reason I'm doing this and taking time for this I mean, you would think this is just kind of a slam dunk sort of thing. Yeah, you just don't do that. Um, but if you go online and you just, I, I did that this week. I just Googled uh, abortion in the Bible. Probably like the first couple pages of Google, what I got was the, abor- uh, uh, the Bible doesn't talk about abortion. And it was all these arguments defending it and saying, well, we just don't know. I don't know what it is. The Bible never makes, makes this... Um, makes this assertion. Uh, other articles I saw said things like, the Bible defines um, life at first breath, which is uh, Jewish opinion. The Jews say this, which is why the Jews also uh, tolerate and have abortion. Um, they support this because they say, well, as long as it's in the womb, it's not really life. It's not really human. It has life at the first breath. And then they go to Genesis and then they say when Adam is there, he's lifeless and then God breathes in him and then they say, ah, that's the moment life begins. Okay. Well, they're, um, yeah, they're doing something anachronistic. They're taking the one-time creation of Adam and then applying that to all people and saying, well, if his life started at first breath, then everybody's life starts at first breath and they're disregarding the very clear passages of the rest of scripture. And that's what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to, show you from the Bible that the Bible talks about life both in a positive and negative way. Um, and uh, even, even the infants, even the uh, newborns having this uh, life. And it's using it, or sorry, it's explaining this in negative terms through uh, condemning this, uh, the murder of them and also in positive terms speaking of them well. So uh, Exodus chapter 21 Verse 22 through 25 says, uh, When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, Tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. You see this? So if if a man uh, uh, punches a woman in the womb uh, when she's pregnant and there's no harm, then the Bible says that the husband then, uh, and the baby's fine, the husband can still impose a penalty, a financial penalty to that man. And say, well, why did you do that? Here, give me whatever sum of money. If, however, that happens and then the, um, uh, the baby is harmed, the baby has some sort of uh, issue or uh, developmental issue or something, then he says, whatever happened to the baby happens to you. You see that? Uh, so if you hurt the baby, then you're going to get hurt. If the baby is born blind, then your eyes are coming out. 
if the baby has died, well then you will die. What does, what does that tell you about the baby in the womb? Yeah, so, so this is a retribution. So he's saying um, life for life. So if your life is taken, then what did you damage here in the womb? Life. If you damage the hand here, then your hand is damaged. So it's equating the two, that someone outside of the womb and someone inside of the womb are then equal, and the damages to the one is happening to the other. You see that? This is very, very clear here in the scriptures. Um, there's going to be articles, you'll probably Google this, and they're going to say, well, we don't know about the translation. It could mean this. It's baloney. Don't believe it. This is clearly and plainly what the text is saying. And even in the case of a man just assaulting a woman while she's pregnant, there's still a penalty. There's still a fine. Like, why would you even dare to do this, is what the scripture is saying. Um, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21 says, And you shall not give any of your offspring to pass through for Molech, and you shall not profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. You guys know Molech or Moloch or however you pronounce it. You guys know what that is? Okay, this is the false god um, of the Canaanites, uh, also referred to as Baal uh, other times. But um, Moloch is the, um, he was depicted as a bronze statue with a a body of a man and the head of a bull. Um, And so it sort of looked like this. I mean... I can't draw this well, but I'll, I'll draw the idea here. Um, right. Uh, here are the hands, and then here's the head, and then who knows what. Right. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so, so you, have, you have this... Uh, that's, a, that's a pig. Yeah, that's a pig. Uh, so you have this uh, uh, statue. It's made of bronze. And then here, the whole thing is bronze. It's hollow. And then here on the inside, then you just throw a bunch of wood and debris and you light the thing on fire. And so on the inside, it's like, a, it's like an oven. It is just burning fu- uh, to the point where the outside would be glowing red. And then his hands are out here like this. And um, what they would do is uh, if you wanted... Uh, financial success and prosperity and uh, wealth and health in your life, then you would take your firstborn kid and then you put them in his hands and offer him as a sacrifice. And then what would happen is that the baby would be there in this bronze uh, statue's hands uh, and be burned alive. Um, Yeah. And what would happen is that they would have their their priests and their... um, their, uh, uh, you know, who knows what, the, the band and the musicians, all that stuff. And they would play music during that time. So it was a super dramatic thing. They would play music. They would start screaming and wailing, all of this stuff, in order to what? Yeah, to cover the sound of the, the poor baby. Um, this is what they did. I mean, it is absolutely vile. It is absolutely disgusting. And this was incredibly common. Um, they would do this over and over again. Uh, the, the word Malik uh, uh, means king. And so he was kind of the chief god. So if you really wanted success, if you wanted uh, health, like the, the payment for that is your firstborn child. Um, now, you, you look at this and you say like, wow, this is just absolutely vile. Like this is just horrible. How could they do that? And yet we're doing the same thing. Um, it's just, it just doesn't look like that. It's very different. Um, it's in nice buildings, and it's clean, and it's sanitary, and it's safe, and it's available, and you can Google it and make a, an appointment or whatever you want. Um, same exact thing is happening. Um, this is, uh, this is a, an example of what we see in the scriptures. And this was incredibly popular, especially for the, um, especially for the wealthy, and the kings and, and these sort of things. Uh, look at these other texts. Deuteronomy 18.10. I'm going to erase this because it's distracting. <laughs> it's awful. Okay. Um, Deuteronomy 18.10 says, You shall not learn to do like the abominations of those nations. So those nations, guess what they're doing? That stuff. 
There shall not be found among you anyone who passes his son or daughter through the fire. A soothsayer, a, a diviner of times, one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a necromancer when uh, talking to the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. So what? Passing the children through fire is what? An abomination to the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah 7.31, And they have built the high places of Taupath, which are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, to burn their sons and daughters with fire, which I did not ordain, neither did it enter my mind. <sighs> Man. Uh, Second, Chronicle, Second Chronicles 28, verses 1 through 4. Uh, Ahaz, uh, King Ahaz, was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. <clears throat> he even made metal images for the Baals. And he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom, which you just heard, um, and burned his sons as an offering. Sons, plural. According to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and every green tree. Therefore, the Lord, God, the, the Lord his God gave him into the hand of the king of Syria, who defeated him and took captive a great number of his people and brought them to Damascus. Again, a very, very clear text. Um, Ahaz, son of David, um, annihilates his own sons as offerings to false gods. And then the Lord uh, punishes him for this. Um, and it, it clearly says, he didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Um, God gave him into the hand uh, of, of, of his enemies, so on and so forth. Second Chronicles 33, verse 6. Manasseh burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom and used fortune-telling and omens and sorcery and dealt with mediums and necromancers. And then the Bible says, he did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. 2 Kings 16.3, Ahaz walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offspring, according to the, the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. See this? Um, in fact, there's another text, Numbers chapter 5, verse 11 through 31. If you guys want to look this up at some time, there was a test to find out if your wife was unfaithful. So if your wife was unfaithful and you accused or you thought that she was with another man. Um, <clears throat> you would go before the priest and the priest would do this. He would make a potion. He would make a drink and tell her, okay, drink this. If you are, um, yeah, if, if you did not commit adultery, you drink this and you're going to be fine. And if you did, then it's actually going to kill the baby. And, uh, and what they're going to see is one of the immediate effects is that there was a bloating in the stomach and she felt really sick and nauseous. Uh, but for someone who wasn't pregnant, it was fine to drink. Um, that's in numbers. And that's how they handle these things. And they said, okay, uh, if you're really serious about this, then prove it. Um, and so this, is, this was the test for uh, marital infidelity or adultery um, was, was that very thing. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, it, there's a long list of evil things. And it says, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to make one point here. Uh, he's saying those who practice such things. What does that mean? Yeah, 
ongoingly, unrepentantly, impenitently. Those who continue to do this. It's not saying that anyone who has then done this one time is now out and can never be saved or can never repent. That's not true. In fact, we saw the, the Magi repent. We saw Simon the sorcerer repent. Uh, we, we've seen people, um, murderers. Paul was a murderer. He repented. He's in the kingdom of heaven. So it's not saying that, look, if somebody has, has done this at some point in their life, that therefore there's no salvation for them. It's those who make a practice of it constantly, ongoingly, who defend this, who, who, who support this. Um, so that's the first thing. I want to point that out. Second thing is the word in English here is translated as sorcery. Or some translations will have like witchcraft. Do you know what the actual word is? Anyone? Take a guess. Pharmakeia. Yes, very good. Pharmakeia, which is pharmacy, right? Um, the administering of drugs or, or mixtures of things. Um, this is also in Revelation chapter 9, verse 21. The same thing in uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. The same exact word comes up. I don't know why they translate it as sorcery, but they do. Um, they all use the word pharmakeia or pharmakois, something like this the administering of some concoction of, of materials and drugs. Um, what you'll notice is this is fascinating in the text in Gal- uh, Galatians, Revelation uh, 9 and 21. Pharmakeia or pharmakois is always found near the sins of sexuality and murder. It's always found in the same list together. Um, in... Uh, 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 there's a writing called the Didache. Um, it was written maybe about the year 100 to 150. That's about the time they put it. And they say this was written by the apostles. Okay, there's some debate on that. Um, uh, you can go either way on that and, and you're fine. Uh, regardless, it's, a, it's an ancient text. It's important. It shows kind of what the early church was teaching and saying. This is from chapter 2 of that text. It's not biblical, but it is... Uh, from this, it says, You shall not commit fornication, you shall not steal, you shall not practice magic, you shall not practice witchcraft or pharmakeia, you shall not murder a child by abortion, nor kill that which is begotten. Um, those things go together. Those, both of those things go together. Uh, in fact, Clement of Alexandria in the year 155, as early as 155 and, uh, uh, to 215 AD, he identified the word pharmakeia as an abortifacient. Um, so he says that word means this very thing. Um, so those are some of the negative examples or, yeah, negative examples in the scriptures of kind of taking a life and saying what is in the womb and uh, what the result is and what the Lord thinks of it. It's bad, it's evil, it's an abomination, so on and so forth. It's detestable. There are things in the scriptures that point to, to it in a positive way. Uh, look at Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 and 5. It says, Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He who forms me in the womb to be his servant to bring Jacob back to him. Uh, Isaiah 44, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb. Uh, Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Uh, Some will try to object to this and say, well, that's just talking about Jeremiah. That's just talking about Isaiah. So it doesn't really apply to everybody. So dumb. Um, so if that's the case, there's a, a psalm. Psalm 139 says this. The psalmist says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Another translation there is in the womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were were none of them. 
Um, Job 10. Um, yeah, Job 10 says, Your hands fashioned and made me, and now you have destroyed me altogether. Remember that you have made me like clay, and will you return me to the dust? You clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your care has preserved my spirit. <clears throat> you get these texts in the scriptures that talk so clearly about what the Lord thinks of um, these babies in the womb, um, these infants, and how he thinks of all of their days before they ever lived one. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you could find something more beautiful uh, than these words. Um, you see also Luke chapter 1, uh, 42 through 44. Uh, Elizabeth goes, and, or, sorry, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And um, Elizabeth says, the mother of my Lord comes to greet me. And what does she say about her baby? The baby, I felt the baby in my womb leap for joy uh, at, at the sound of this. She's talking that this is, this is real. I mean, it's just absolute common sense. It's obvious um, that what is in the womb is, is a human being. Um, there are some other quotes from the early church fathers and stuff, which I, I just realized I'm not going to have time to get into. Um, and I'll give some book recommendations here at the end. But um, yeah, I want to read a, a few other things first, though. I want to get through this. Um, you know, the Soviet Union under Vladimir Lenin uh, was recognized as the first modern country to legalize uh, induced elective abortion. Um, so it was the Soviet Union that first had this. Um, well, legalized, right? This, these things were being done kind of in, hidden and secret um, in the back alleys, whatever. But here is the first time that a nation says... We approve of this, and this is what we're doing for all of our citizens. Um, in the 20th century, uh, China used abortion as part of their one-child policy. Uh, they said, don't have more than one kid. And then if you do, then we're going to murder the other kid. That's what they did. They, they had this ridiculous demonic policy that you can only have one kid. And now they can't even uh, replace themselves. They're falling apart. Um, the projected uh, demographics on, on China are, are just nosediving. They're not gonna be able to sustain themselves. Do you, do you know why? Um, the, in order for a nation to keep level, just stay, to stay level, do you know how many children you have to have? At least 2.5. 2.1, yeah. Uh, 2.5 you'd be growing actually, but 2.1, why the point one? Well, the point one is for um, those children who maybe die in adolescence or, or things like that. And so to account for those things. But at the very least, a nation ought to have two children per family that mother and father are replacing themselves and having that. And that's just to stay level. If you want to grow, so that would be 2.1. Uh, if you want to grow, this would be 2.2. 2.3, so on and so forth, and then, it, and then it grows. So you have three kids, well now you've replaced yourself and added one. Four kids, you've doubled yourselves. Five, six, seven, eight, and that's the point. Uh, China has been saying, well have one. So that every, for every two people, you only replace them with one. And, sorry? Well, yeah, and that's the sad thing. I, I talked to someone who was from China, I mean, um, yeah, and, sorry? What is that? Really? They, um, sorry? Oh, that, um, they, they, that if these uh, families have um, a girl, that they would drown the girl um, because they didn't want a girl and they wanted uh, a male who could, I don't know, provide more or do more things industrially or something. Um, yeah, yeah, keeping the name. Like, but with who? <laughs> right, another guy? I mean, it makes no sense. <laughs> um, so, 
So this is what they do. I mean, so they've been saying one, and now China has reversed their policies, and now they're saying, well, okay, I think you're going to have more than one kid. Actually, you should be having more than one kid because now we're, we're tanking, and it's going to be over for us. Um, obviously, this is projected there into the future. Um, but this is, I mean, that's God's punishment on them. If they drive themselves to ruins, then I will, thanks be to God then for that. But it, it, hopefully this idea dies and goes away. Um, I want to point out something here. Do you know who the founder of Planned Parenthood is? Margaret Sanger. You guys know about her? Yeah, she is a probably the most wicked, evil woman uh, in existence uh, in this world. Um, she opened, uh, so she lived in the year, um, but was born in 1879, uh, died in 1966. She opened the first birth control clinic. Uh, she was the founder of the thing that eventually became Planned Parenthood. Um, and whatever Planned Parenthood today is, they can thank uh, Margaret Sanger. I have a number of quotes from Margaret Sanger. You've probably seen this stuff on the internet or something. Um, these are quotes from her mouth on, on the whole issue. She says, this was in 1947, she says, but from my view, I believe that there should be no more babies. That's her agenda. She just flat out says that. Um, in 1920, she says, the most merciful thing that the large family does to one of its infants, to one of its infant members, is to kill it. That's Margaret Sanger. In 1939, she said, we don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. <laughs> December 10th, 1939. That was in a letter to Dr. Clarence Gamble. Uh, I accepted an invitation, she says, in 1938, in her autobiography. She says, I accepted an invitation to talk to the women's branch of the Ku Klux Klan. I was escorted to the platform, was introduced, and began to speak. In the end, through simple illustrations, I believed I had accomplished my purpose. A dozen invitations to speak to similar groups were proffered. This is a woman speaking to the KKK. And they're uh, uh, clapping for her, uh, enjoying her speeches. And then from there, she gets invitations to speak elsewhere. Uh, in 1957, in an interview with Mike Wallace, she says, I think the greatest sin in the world, I think the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world. Um, bringing children into the world that have diseases uh, from their parents that have no chance in the world to be a human being practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things just marked when they're born. That to me is the greatest sin that people can commit. Um, in another book of her, she says, the most serious evil of our times is that of encouraging the bringing into the world of large families. The most immoral practice of the day is breeding too many children. Um, in 1919, she says, eugenics without birth control seems to us a house built upon the sands. It is at the mercy of the rising stream of the unfit. Uh, in 1921, she says, as an advocate of birth control, I wish to take advantage of the present opportunity to point out that the unbalance between the birth rate of the unfit and the fit, admittedly the greatest present menace to civilization, can never be rectified by the inauguration of a cradle competition between these two classes. Uh, so she's categorized old people into fit and unfit. Who determines that? Who gets to say so? Who's worthy of it? Uh, in 1921, she says, the most urgent problem today is how to limit and discourage the overfertility of the mentally and physically defective. Um, in another interview, um, in 1918, she says, no more children should be born 
when the parents, though healthy themselves, find that their children are physically or mentally defective. Uh, Again, she says, A marriage license shall in itself give husband and wife only the right to a common household and not the right to parenthood. If you get married, you can live in the same house. You can't have kids. That has to be granted to you by the state. There's, uh, um, again, I, I got more pages, pages of this. Uh, she says, no woman shall have the legal right to bear a child. And no man shall have the right to become a father without a permit for parenthood. So th- this is this woman, and she's psychotic. She is saying, this was in 1934. She is saying, th- she's giving her plan on how to rectify all these things, how to fix the world. And this is what she says, that you have to apply for a permit to have babies, to become a father. Um, it's almost like a child is as dangerous as a gun. Yeah, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's equating this like with the, the, the most evil thing. I mean, um, She's, she's making that uh, children the source of all, every problem in the world. Um, look, in 1934, uh, this is a, in a, an article she wrote, America Needs a Code for Babies. She says this, uh, Permits for parenthood shall be issued upon application by city, county, or state authorities to married couples, providing that they're financially able to support the expected child, that they have the qualifications needed for proper rearing of the child, who, what is that? Have no transmissible diseases, and on the woman's part, no medical indication that maternity is likely to result in death or permanent injury to health. In the same article, she says, no permit for parenthood shall be valid for more than one birth. So you have to reapply again and again after every child. Um, again, she's 1932, she says, uh, in a, in, in a, uh, a writing called My Way to Peace. This is her idea. Apply a stern and rigid policy of sterilization and segregation to that grade of population whose progeny is tainted or whose inheritance is such that objectionable traits may be transmitted to offspring. Um, these two words, birth control, sum up our whole philosophy. It means the release and cultivation of the better elements in our society and the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction of defective stocks. Those human weeds which threaten the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization. Again, she says, organized charity itself is the symptom of a malignant social disease. She's talking about churches here, uh, helping the poor, helping um, those who are suffering. She says that is malignant, um, uh, a symptom of a malignant social disease. She says, um, when the Pope released his position on birth control, she responds and she says, my own position is that the Catholic doctrine is illogical, not in accord with science, and definitely against social welfare and race improvement. Uh, in, a, in 1918, she says, all of our problems are the result of overbreeding among the working class. Knowledge of birth control is essentially immoral. Is, is essentially moral. Uh, so having and using birth control is a moral thing, that, according to this woman. It's general, though, prudent. Practice must lead to a higher individuality and ultimately to a cleaner race. <sighs> Feeble-mindedness perpetuates itself from the ranks of those who are blandly indifferent to their racial responsibilities. And it is largely this type of humanity we are now drawing upon to populate our world for the generations to come. In this orgy of multiplying and replenishing the earth, this type is peripassu, multiplying and perpetuating those direst evils in which we must, if civilization is to survive, extirpate by the very roots. One more quote from her. She says, birth control itself often denounced as a violation of natural law is nothing more or less than the facilitation of the process of weeding out the unfit, of preventing the birth of defectives 
or of those who will become defectives. If we are to make racial progress, this development of womanhood must precede motherhood in every individual woman. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Did she ever a child? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think she was the um, son of uh, a Catholic who was also a Mason, a free thinker, and uh, eventually um, had these ideas. Uh, th- this is disgusting. I mean, this is just evil, evil stuff. Yeah. Yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, is a huge fan of uh, Margaret Sanger. Well, I mean, she's just one voice, and, what's, and, and anybody can say anything. What's remarkable is that she could garner so much support and at the, at, to, to the point where they would be in the majority and yet laws change. I mean, so shame on our society yeah. for accepting this garbage. Yeah. And considering it to be our law. Yeah. E- even just thinking about this and, and giving an ear to say, oh, I, I see your point of view. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then they, there's a foundation created on this idea. That she, she's a founder of this thing. And this is all over the place. The, the two main things, the two main products that Planned Parenthood provides and gives is birth, birth control and abortion which are the same end goal, is no babies. And abortion, you have to realize, is only the backup plan for birth control. She's a racist pig. She's, ra- I mean, incredibly racist. Uh, 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 she, she believes in eugenics, of trying to fix uh, society by, by weeding out the unfit. Well, who are they? Who, she gets to determine, apparently. There's a letter that uh, Hitler wrote at the time to her because he was fascinated with her effectiveness because mm. they were the, the Nazi party very obviously interested in eugenics as well for what the master race was from their yeah. perspective and so he wrote a letter to her praising her and inquiring more about their techniques and everything about weeding out the lesser races as they Holy cow. described it so there's a letter from Hitler about that and when we visited D.C. last year they had an exhibit from Margaret Singer in there they had a collection of some of the letters at the time of people dissenting her views, trying wow. to just talk about how life should be cherished and that this is the most, you know, they consider, you know, the, the emotional appeal, that this is the most important mm. crowning thing of society. Yeah. And yet you're trying to artificially suppress what God has given us. Yeah. And speak of it as if it's a, a negative thing. Yeah. Man, yeah, real quick. Um, you have to remember that when she used the term birth control, that is not the same term as birth control we use now because that did not exist birth control there was no birth pills etc until the 50s and 60s so when she said birth control she's talking murder hmm. I mean she's not talking take a pill and go get pregnant she's talking mm. kill yeah um, yeah the, 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 it's clear the, the goal for her uh, the means don't matter the goal is just get rid of the kids um, I mean and what a th- one of the features and things about being pro-life is that uh, we love babies, um, and we don't just love babies when they're cute um, and when they're nice to us. Um, even when they're crying and annoying and uh, need help and things, we love them, right? And and we, we do that. This is this is what a Christian does. That's what it means to be uh, pro-life: is to love babies and. Uh, to prevent them from being born or conceived is not a good thing. It's not the way the Lord speaks of it. Um, and in fact, we should have children not because we want children, but because the Lord wants children. Uh, look at, um, I think it's Malachi uh, chapter 2, verse 15, something like that. Um, what does the Lord desire? He desires godly offspring. So the number one thing that he wants from, from us is Children. God loves babies. And he loves babies and he wants them not, not just to have babies for the sake of having babies, but to have babies that they would be baptized and received into the kingdom of heaven, that he would have more people to love and, and to resurrect and to bless with eternal life. That's what he wants. 
And then when we try to prevent this or destroy them or whatever, the, the end goal is the same, is take them away, right? Last comment, and then I got, I got to read one more thing. Yeah. So um, Nietzsche was very much admired in the Nazi regime, and so was Margaret Sanger, and they tried to do eugenics, and they wanted to form the master race, but it didn't work, and Ken Ham, who's the scientist for Answers in Genesis, he examined, when they went to Argentina, they thought, well, let's try this in isolation. Let's just breed these people like... There's an old movie called The Boys from Brazil. We're going to breed all blue-eyed, blonde-haired people, and they'll be the master race. Mm. And it didn't work. They took the best candidates to mate, and Ken Hams have concluded, he said, well, that's because sin is in the genetics. There's no way that you can avoid malfunction, even if you get the perfect couple. It doesn't make any difference. They're going to be defective. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's futile. It's a waste of time. It's evil and, and horrifying that people even try this. It, that's based upon uh, evolution. It's based upon these wicked ideas um, that the world has. Um, real quick, I want to read a few more things quickly. Uh, there's another guy currently alive. His name is Peter Singer. So I talk about Margaret Sanger. Peter Singer. Um, something about that name, uh, is uh, a professor at Princeton University, and he is a professor of ethics. Um, so he, this, is, uh, uh, this, this is a quote from him. He says, When the death of a disabled infant will lead to the birth of another infant with better prospects of a happy life, the total amount of happiness will be greater if the disabled infant is killed. The loss of happy life for the first infant is outweighed by the gain of a happier life for the second. Therefore, if killing the hemophiliac infant has no adverse effect on others, it would, according to the total view, be right to kill him. Um, one of the things here is that he talks about, um, by the way, this guy's teaching, um, kids right now. He's teaching them this stuff. This is what's being taught. It's written down. This is at Princeton, Ivy League schools. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to throw all my money there. That's what you're getting, by the way, when you do that. Um, this is vile. Okay. One of the problems here in his logic too is that he never defines what the cognitive disabilities are, which could include people with Down syndrome um, uh, or even things like ADD, which everybody's diagnosed with nowadays, apparently, <laughs> or ADHD. I mean, it's like, well, what then is normal? Like, who, who's determining this? What's, what's the perfect cognitive ability that you're, you're seeking after and who has it? Uh, you, you have any OCD, any anxiety, any depression, any of that? Find someone like that. You can't. So, I mean, this is just a total wiping out of, uh, of humans. Um, Singer isn't the only guy who says this. Uh, Jim Newhall, he's an uh, Oregon, Portland, Oregon abortionist. He says, not everybody is meant to be born. I believe for a baby, life begins when his mother wants him. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is the stuff that's being taught and, and, uh, um, shared and believed by, by so many. Um, like I said before, we're against abortion because of the sobering and awful sad fact that every baby that is aborted does not automatically go to heaven, um, that's not true. Not every baby goes to hell either. But if even one were to go to hell, um, how, what a, 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 a deep and profound injustice this is, how evil this is. Um, and this is what makes abortion especially awful. Uh, so it's, it's an abyss of, of evil. Real quick. It's also in the Bible say that... Uh those who have not heard 
about God and Jesus will be judged upon something that you cannot understand. Hmm. Yeah. That's the infant, the babies. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, so this is the thing. This isn't what happens to these babies. Um, I mean, are they the parents of, or, sorry, are they the children of parents who pray for them? Are they the children of parents who um, went to church, who believed the word of God, who read the word of God for their child in their womb, all these things? I mean, most... I'm not saying I'm, not saying I'm for abortion. I'm yeah. Not, but like, you know, the, the judgment, it's not something that you can understand. Right, exactly. And, and so look, we, we know that God is gracious and merciful, merciful but this is hidden in his, in his judgment. He hasn't revealed it to us. What we do know is that every human being is conceived in sin and, and brought forth in iniquity. And then when you tie the two things together, it, it's not good. Um, it's a scary, scary thought. It's, a, it's an incredibly scary thought. I mean, this is also why it's so painful to hear of the, the war in the Middle East. The real issue is not just that they're bombing each other, not just that they're shooting one another. That's bad. Yes, stop doing that. The real issue is that neither side believes in Jesus and they're both driving each other to hell. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. In the same way here, the, the majority of the people who are doing these things, who are killing the, 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 the babies, um, don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in God. They fight against him. Uh, they reject his word. Um, and they're not giving their baby even a chance to hear the word of God or receive baptism or anything. Um, just a couple things. You know that in the original Hippocratic Oath, it was included that, um, uh, th- that you would not uh, abort a baby in the womb. That was in the original Hippocratic Oath. That's not there anymore. That's been... First do no harm. Cu- yeah, first do no harm, and then it continues. And they cut that out. Um, th- well, yeah, it's just, who knows what it is. It's not even being given to physicians. don't need to swear that. Really? Oh, good grief. Yeah. Do you have any stats on how many abortions happen? No, but, and, and I was going to do that, um, but I know that stuff is like readily available and you guys can just Google that stuff too. I think there's a website called like an abortion tracker or something. Um, I, I read an article a few days ago that pointed out that last year was the fifth year in a row worldwide that abortion was the leading cause of death in the world. Hmm. So that... For the last five years in a row, this health organization internationally tried to claim that's the leading cause of death. Yeah. Worldwide. I mean, it, it's because so. Because of how rampant it's become in so many different countries. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, there's a video of Argentina. They were waiting for their court system, their government, to make the final approval on whether abortion would be legal. And there are droves of people, multitudes of people standing outside. They're watching a big screen. And if you, you watch the video, you just see them all silent watching in, te- uh, in tension. And then they just erupt with joy. And they're throwing beer in the air and they're all hugging and kissing each other, crying, all this stuff. And what it was, it was they watched their government legalize abortion. Th- that you, you can find it on YouTube. Just put Argentina abortion you know, crowd and then you'll find it. It's, it's insane. They were cheering for this, rejoicing over this, like they won the World Cup or something. So awful. Um, you know, the, the reality is that this is hitting close to home because I, I looked it up 30.8 miles away over on the east side of Orlando, there is a, an abortion clinic um, that doesn't just give pills or, or things like that, um, but actually uh, murders and dismembers the baby. They do that 30 miles away from here. It's awful. That's going on right now as, as, as we're meeting here. Um, I, I want to point out that, look, Jesus died for, for all people. He died for all these babies. He died for all these mothers. He died for all these doctors um, who have done these things. I mean, this is a love that is beyond telling, beyond all telling. This is a love that we cannot understand how God knew and knows all things and yet he comes to this earth. He takes on flesh, receives every injustice to his own body, to himself, and spills his blood for all of them. All of them. The people doing these wicked things. He has, he has died for them. That, 
That is unthinkable to me. I, if anybody else were God, if anybody else were God, nobody would be saved. Because if you knew everything that God knew, you wouldn't, you wouldn't lay your life down for this world. <laughs> you wouldn't do it. Um, you, you, just, you wouldn't give your life up for people who hate you. You wouldn't, give your li- you wouldn't lay your life down for people who do such evil and wicked things. You would say, well, I'm going to lay my life down maybe for this person, maybe for that person, but not for the entire world. And this is what the Lord does. Um, it's, it's a remarkable thing. And the, the truth is, is that there is forgiveness for those who have done these things. There are women who regret this, who have repented of their sin, uh, who have realized the atrocity of what they've done. They have um, heard the gospel and, and the love of Christ. They've repented, and now they're on the other side of this, advocating for life. Thanks be to God for that. That shows, that shows you the power of the gospel, the power of the word of God. I mean, to convince somebody who is believing this stuff to then reject it, man, that's got to be power. It's only the Holy Spirit who can do this. Um, um, let, let me close here. Uh, what I was going to do, I was going to have some time to read kind of the current denominational positions on abortion. And there's a, a list of them and you know, kind of what the PCUSA says, what the ELCA says. But, you know, I, I can do that another time or I could even send it to you through email if you'd like. But, um, but what I'll do is I'll close here and then see if there are any questions or comments. <clears throat>